Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Zero Weakness Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Go to establishmentcoffee.com.au, use the code 025 and get 25% off your order and free shipping. Today on the episode, we have a special guest. I'm going to throw it to Kung Fu Henny to introduce him. Let's go, James. We can call you that now as well because you're back on the gram. Yeah, I'm back on the gram. <laughs> I'm back, but a little more mindful. Yes. Just a little bit more mindful this time. Um, no, nah, I just want to welcome a very special guest onto the podcast. Uh, born in Lower Hutt. Uh, is Lower Hutt Wellington? Yeah. Yeah, Lower Hutt Wellington um, of Mouldy Descent. Mm-hmm. I saw that. And uh, I didn't realise you're... Sorry, I'll continue with the intro. Um <clears throat> we got uh, Jordan Kahu, played uh, 119 games in the NRL with a career spanning from 2013. Played for the Brisbane Broncos first grade team from 2013 uh, until 2018 before moving to the North Queensland Cowboys. He spent one year, one season at North Queensland Cowboys before coming back to the Brisbane Broncos for a season. Uh, and then he retired in 2001. Jordan Kahu is a very talented uh, person who runs his very own uh, media company called Chur. Media, where he does videography, photography, uh, all things media related. He does campaigns for Call of Duty. Uh, Who else have you done campaigns for? You've done lots of them. Yeah, lots. He's very talented and he's also... uh, in the in the midst of opening up a gym, so welcome on the podcast, Jordan, and thanks for thanks for coming through. Welcome, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's a um, pleasure to be here. I think you said I retired in two thousand. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. But, um, oh yeah, my bad. But but twenty twenty one. Yeah. That old. <laughs> uh, you, you also scored five hundred and fifty five points uh, in the NRL with one hundred and forty one hundred nineteen of those coming from tries and one hundred forty nine goals. Ooh, also I with uh, also with five uh, field goals as well. Yeah, five. I didn't miss one. Yeah. Can you remember, what was your most iconic field goal out of those five? Um, we played in a, I think it was like a prelim semi against Penrith. And um, one of them was was in that game. And um, yeah, that was probably the most memorable. I kicked one off my left as well. That was another one that was pretty cool. But I actually stuffed up in that game. That kind of overshadowed the, the <laughs> um, left foot field goal. So I, I copped it in the, in the um, news for, for my stuff up rather than my um, bad foot field goal. <laughs> You're, um, just for those listening who aren't really familiar with rugby league, you are, to be to be the guy that takes a field goal, you're clutch. You're the, you, you know, you got to be the guy that saves saves the day. So uh, Jordan Kahu's that guy. Yeah, I was, I, it kind of just got thrown to me. We lost the big grand final in 2015. And um, after that, I, I said to the coach, I'm taking the field goals from now on because I was sick of seeing my halfbacks miss them. So I, I said from that moment on, pass me the ball. Who was your halfback at the time? Uh, ben Hunt and Anthony Milford. But they yeah, they just couldn't kick a field goal at the time, eh? So I just I stepped in and, and backed myself. And it's the call out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bro, Milfi and uh, Hunt actually listen to this podcast. Do they? No, no. That's right, that's right. They know. They know what happened. <laughs> there's no lies in that. But um, it was more. It was more. I was. I was so filthy that we lost that grand final, and I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll take all that pressure, and, and you know, I want the ball in my hands when when it comes to crunch time. That's cool. It's a very painful memory. Yeah. Yeah. Grand final. Yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh. Yeah. It was, it was a tough time. I don't think I've fully watched the game. There's there's so many bits that I I've forgotten about it that. 
I've just, you know, it feels like a blur. Obviously, I know what happened, but I can't really remember what I was thinking or where I was at that point in time, but in, in the, on the field. And, um, yeah, I don't think I really want to watch it again, to be honest. I know what happens. <laughs> no, I haven't watched this. Thing. It's like watching a bad movie and you already know what happens at the end. You know, the, the <laughs> yeah, person it's the dies. worst. Yeah. <laughs> so take us back to the start, man. How did you how did you get from being in, uh, in Lower Hutt, Wellington, to the NRL? So I was a union boy growing up, so I always wanted to be an All Black. And um, my whole life, that was my whole dream. I, I never got in trouble as a kid because I, I knew I wanted to be an All Black. I knew that would taint that dream um so i was you know i was i was training before school i was you know i was just a super driven kid i knew what i wanted um i got to a a high school in wellington and i was was quite young in the in the school first 15 and i was dropping in and out of the first 15 and there was this one tournament where i sat on the bench pretty much the whole tournament i think i played two or three minutes um the whole tournament and i was just fed up and I i was just a young kid wanting to play and that was kind of the the leap into rugby league and that's where i um started playing league I, I jumped in a few tournaments here and there and just loved it I was just you know I think I was 15 playing footy again and I really enjoyed it and then um next thing you know I was um you know on the plane to Australia with a scholarship to a um a, a school here on the Gold Coast and um yeah I finished high school over here and then pretty much as soon as I finished high school was straight into the Broncos system so that's the the short version of it anyway it's um so you went straight from uh what it was a school in Petoni that you went to was it? Um so no I started at Harvey High School and yeah. then I moved to Wellington College to um just because it was a better rugby school. Yeah, so uh, you went from Wellington College to Kebra Park. Yep. So for those of you listening, uh, Kebra Park is a very famous rugby league school with lots of uh superstars that are uh, they've produced a lot of NRL players here in Queensland. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so at that time when you were at Kebra, were there any uh, other notable players that were there at the same time as you? Um, we had a, a couple of Boys um, transition into the NRL. Benny Murdoch, mm-hmm. um, Isaac Liu. Uh, who else did we have? Um, Corey Norman was the year below you. Yeah, he was the year before that. We actually had a better team the year before. Um, at the time, we had lots of different rep um, players in our team, but we we didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, the '09 year, we just had a, a super driven team, um, and and yeah, a lot of us, you know. Or three or four of us made it to the NRL after that, and I just kind of showed the caliber of the team that year. Yeah, well, and so the move from New Zealand to Australia is a pretty serious move, right? Did you come up by yourself? Did you have family here, or did your whole family move as part of that? Um, so I knew for about six months that I was moving over. Um, I was meant to come over by myself, and a lot of boys, um, when they're moving over, they get put into a homestay um, with a lot of other boys, and there's kind of a family that looks after them. Um, so I was going to go into one of those, but just before I left, my parents split, um, and my dad was pretty much just like, "Oh, I'm going to come over with you now." Um, and then my brother was also like, "Oh, I'm not staying here if you guys are going over." So he came over um, as well. So it went from me going over by myself to having my my dad and my brother there, and um, it was a super tough time just leaving home. I was super homesick all the time. I was with my fiance now Jess at the time as well and and leaving her behind and my mum behind was was tough but um I was pretty lucky that I had my my dad and my brother there as well to you know um you know make me less homesick I guess I um so I mentioned before on the intro that you played 119 games in the NRL so that was across a nine-year career um during those nine years you had a few you're you're it's fair to say that you're quite riddled with injury Mm. um I saw that in your 
<clears throat> two years in the Toyota Cup as well. You had a couple uh, injuries too. How is that uh, coming back from each injury and, you know, what's that journey look like? What does it look like for your mental health? What does it look like for your family? What does it look like for yourself knowing that, fuck, this is how I make my bread? Um, at the beginning, I didn't deal with that at, a, at all professionally. Um, I was 19 when I did my first ACL and, you know, I was out every weekend partying still and I just didn't understand the work that was involved to get me back to where I wanted to be, which was in the NRL and, um, yeah, just a lot of things that, yeah, it was kind of a year of lear- like learning, you know, I, I, I stuffed up that, that many times that um, the following year I actually tore my ACL again at the start of the year, so that time around I was just like, I'm not doing anything I did la- last year. I think I had nearly uh, probably six to eight months off the off the purse. And um, I was still living on the Gold Coast at the time. And I was training in Brisbane every morning and coming back and training on the Gold Coast. And I was just doing that as um, as hard as I can. And um, I think the older I got, the less effect it, like injuries had on me mentally. Um, and obviously when, when I had my kids, when, when I got hurt, you know, it just kind of – they helped me through uh, like a lot of hard times because it was just like, like injuries was just so little to them and they didn't really care. They just wanted me to be a happy dad and um, they got me through, you know, a, a lot of injuries late in my career that, you know, if I didn't have them, then I would have been super, um, super like, you know, kind of depressed and, and angry about it a bit more. So you retired in, in 2021. Um, leading into that, obviously we had, COVID and you guys got put in your bubbles and everything like that was that a part of um, what tipped you over the edge to to go towards a retirement or was it on your mind leading into that like what were the steps that sort of ticked in your head to be like you know what it's it's my time to leave yeah it was a lot of different things that kind of happened um yeah 20 2020 we were in the bubble the whole year I couldn't do anything but go to the, the petrol station that was pretty much it um and we also had my youngest end of that year um and then I was injured that year, came back, um, I, we we were uh, like bottom of the ladder, I played two games and then I got dropped again and I was just like, what's the point of being in this bubble all year for me to work my butt off, come back from injury, just to be dropped? Um, it was just, it was like a super um, draining year that year and it just kind of took it all out of me and um, after that... I didn't really want to move anywhere else. The the world was crazy um, with COVID, obviously, and I didn't want to mm. go overseas with a newborn. Um, if I did go overseas, it would have been just me, and I just I didn't want to do that. So um, the Brisbane Broncos didn't want me, um, and um, I reached out to the Titans, and and they didn't get back to me. So I was just like, I wanted to stay in Queensland. I wanted to stay either in Brisbane or the Gold Coast, and those weren't any options. So I was just like, you know, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I've had my time and. Um, that's kind of where I, you know, you know drew the line. It's um, <clears throat> it's really weird. It seems like the 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 direction the game's going in is, you know, they're really trying to push the younger generation of players, mm. kind of like the NBA. You'll notice in the NBA, there's uh, it's a very young league now where there used to be a, each team had a lot of veterans. Yeah, you know, they had a lot of players over the age of thirties, and I feel like the NRL's heading in the same direction. We're try- they're trying to build around new talent. Um, with someone like yourself who even though you were at the time, you know, 30 years old, you still had a, like, you had 119 games in the NRL. Your body was still relatively fresh. You still had a lot of, uh, you could have still gave the game a lot. And um, it's very noticeable, or 
you know, if you watched the game closely, you were very, you were a good competitor. You're very tough. So it used to baffle me, and um, you know, me and my other friends would talk about it. Like, how come you don't want to sign this guy? He can play fullback. He can play wing. He can play six. He, he's a good defender. He can run the ball. He's tough. He's a goal kicker. And like you said before, you're clutch, more clutch <laughs> than Benny Hunt and uh, Anthony Milford. But um, you know what I mean? It was a, it was a very weird scenario, and you see it a lot now. Lots of really good players in the NRL not getting contracts. Um, like we spoke about when Alex was on the podcast, we spoke about Corey Norman. Like he's he's still had a lot to give to the game. He he could have really got a contract anywhere, but yeah, you know, yeah, it is definitely like that. I think I, I'm I probably feel the same way. Um, when I got told that I was getting dropped in that 2020 year, uh, I literally got told that that they just wanted to give the younger boys experience, and they didn't really care if we lost any more games. And um, being a proud Bronco and a person who's led. Um, for that jersey it, just, it was just a real hard thing to hear at the time and I was just like you know like are you, you're literally willing to throw the season just to blood these young um, these these young um, these young guys and I guess it's kind of paying off now with the performances that they've been um, throwing up but at the time I was just you know I was, I was pretty devastated and I didn't want um, I didn't want the Broncos to you know, get the wooden spoon and we got it. So, I don't know. It's kind of paying off what those decisions that they made that time. But, um, yeah, being a proud Bronco, I didn't want to let that happen. It is uh, very gut-wrenching for, you know, Broncos fans seeing that the worst team in Queensland at the time were the Broncos, which yeah. is unheard of in uh, previous years. And yourself being part of, you know, one of arguably one of the greatest Broncos sides in history, um, <clears throat> yeah, that would be a very, very painful to... Uh, painful thing to process. Yeah, bro. It was, de- it was definitely pretty tough. And um, I actually left the bubble that day and they came out and said that I was dropped because of COVID. And I was just like, oh, this their way of getting out of dropping me pretty much. So it was a, yeah, it was a draining year. That whole year was just super tough. And that was just kind of, you know, the, the last straw to finally break me that year. What did that, um, what did that impact have on your family? Like, you know, you had, um, You've got your your beautiful fiance. You've got your uh, Jayla and Jude, and then you have got your newborn as well. What what was that like? Um, yeah, it was. I think it was more tough on Jess. You know, I was. I'm super content with being at home. Um, like, and obviously behind closed doors, no one really knew we were meant to be in a in a room by ourselves, fully isolated away from the family as well. But um, behind closed doors, they didn't know what was happening, and um, just just Jess being heavily pregnant, she was she had to do all the school runs. Had to go to do all the supermarket trips, um, literally do everything while I sat at home, um, and did nothing pretty much just because, yeah, just because. Um, but yeah, it was super tough on her, and I can't, it was kind of a good thing when, the way things happened because as soon as I um, exited the bubble, it was just like a breath of fresh air, and mm. um, we fully prepared for um, for Jax's birth. And if I was still in the bubble, it was going to be a super like hard process to go through. I was going to have to. You know, I think I was going to have to stand at the back of the room and wear all this medical kit. Um, I wasn't allowed to approach Jess or touch Jess and all this, all this other um, these little things that would have made the birth experience for Jess um, a nightmare. And um, when she's going, when she's had all of our kids, the only person she's wanted in the room was me, and that would have been a super tough time if I, if I wasn't there. So it was kind of breath of fresh air knowing that I could be there for um, the birth of our. Um, uh, latest what's what looks obviously you know we're very unfamiliar with uh what happens at every level of professional sport 
what's the dynamic like in a situation like that after it happens? So like after it's done, you know, you've left the dro- the bubble, you dropped. Is that it? Are they just like, okay, we don't talk to this guy anymore. You never hear from them again. Or is there some like ongoing communication? Do you get invited to the equivalent of alumni events? Like what does it look like? Um, yeah. So when I left the bubble, um, I was touching base like every, I think there was only three or four games left in the season. Um, and I was touching base every Sunday asking if they wanted me in that week. And um, I said I'd only come back if I was playing. Like I'm not coming back for any other reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, pretty much didn't, that was it pretty much until we had our end of year ball. And then, yeah, basically like nothing, just yeah, literally nothing. I went in for my medical um, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, it was, there was kind of no contact at all since. Sorry, who do you, who do you communicate with? Do you talk directly to the coach? Um, well, that was the year our coach got sacked and Kevin Walters was coming in, so he actually didn't really have uh, much communication with anyone. So, um, yeah, there was you speak to the coach, and then for my medicals, I was speaking to the physio, and then for the ball, I was just speaking to you know the um, you know like the the staff that that organised those events. Yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty disconnected. Um, what about the the player aspect? Like, obviously, you're on a team and you had friends. I, I assume <laughs> you know yeah. you're friendly with the players. Was it was it hard to walk away from that? Yeah, it was. It was um it was just weird because I, I was trying to stay at the time. I was trying to stay, so I was I was telling the boys um well I'd been given um some words from Kevy that he was keen on keeping me. Um, and so I, I told the boys, you know, I'm going to try and stick around. Like, I want to stay here and get this club back to where it should be. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, we obviously caught up at the ball and then you kind of speak to your close mates and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then, yeah, like, like the rest of the club, it kind of just, yeah, it's just like nothing. It's weird. Is it, um, <clears throat> like, do you hold any animosity towards the, the Broncos organisation? I did. I did at the beginning. Um, but if you know I held on to that for too long, then I wouldn't have built what I've built over the last couple of years. And mm. um, I was real, I was super sour just because I just wanted a phone call. Like that was all I wanted. I just wanted a phone call because I'd been told that um, I was wanted, and then I literally just my calls just you know were never called back. I was trying to call the coach and and be like you know just ask. I just wanted confirmation. Men. Um, Jess and the kids stayed in Brisbane for an extra two months then we should have like just I was just literally waiting for a phone call back to just say yes or no and and not getting either like I would have been happy if I got a phone call back and just say sorry we don't want you that would have been I would have been fine with that and it took me a while to get over that um, and, and and yeah just just off the back of what I've done for the club and how long I've been there I think I I earned that and mm. I um, I deserved that that much and that was probably the hardest thing to get over and um, it was kind of a big, um, you know, learning curve for me. I just, um, you know, I've stopped expecting things from others. You know that, um, you know, sometimes in life it's just, it's just you, know, you and your family that you got to look after. And and from from now on, or from then on, I kind of have just been treating life that way. To be honest, kind of makes me concerned for like the young kids on the team coming through the teams, you know, anyone who exits when, because obviously you've been in the club for a while and you're mature by that point. Mm. You're an adult with a family. You're clearly driven and intelligent. Like these kids that are 21, 22, if they get knocked off the team or kicked out or do something stupid, like 
no support whatsoever. It's it's no wonder, you know, where they end up if they've got no support. Yeah, it makes me. It's it's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. It is. I've I've had a bit of um contact with the NRL, but um yeah, none from from the Bronx whatsoever. But I guess if you, they they do keep a lot of contact for people that are going straight back into working for the club, and that's probably the only um. Yeah, the only time that happens, but apart from that, it's pretty much thanks and see you later. Because um, while you were injured and during the bubble, you're you're taking some photos and you're you're still like a part of the team quite heavily. Yeah, so I I had shoulder surgery at the the end of the year before, so I was coming back from that, um, and they gave me the option at the start of the year whether I wanted to stay in the bubble or train outside the bubble, so I could do pretty much everything I wanted and I and I, all I had to do was just train outside the bubble but I was just like you know I want to be a part of the team you know that's just unfair um, a couple of the boys took the other option and I was just you know I was keen to be around the boys every day so I, I sacrificed that life and um, yeah I was, I was definitely a part of the team but yeah it was, it was, yeah, it was a tough year. I still remember you, um, you rehabbing your shoulder injury that was I think one of our first training sessions together and uh, we did one of uh, Tizzy's classes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah and you're on the yeah. air bike with one arm, swinging yeah. a kettlebell, uh, kettlebell around with one arm. Yeah. Um, no, nah, it's quite inspiring to see. That was cool. But um, <clears throat> so, yeah, now that uh, we've talked about your footy career, what, what, what does life look like now for Jordan Coe? What are you doing now? What are you up to? Um, so, yeah, at the end of 2020, when I finished, I, I just dove into my passion, which was um, videography. And um, I already had that passion there while I was playing and kind of just dove into it and just, you know, went, you know, head into everything and was just saying to yes to every job. And, um, yeah, now I've just kind of I've built, you know, a good client base where they continuously book me and um, there's been a lot of different, um, you know, opportunities here and there. And I've been just super grateful for the people that I've come across in the last two years that are willing to hire me and um, value my work and it's been um, such a, a pleasing journey to kind of be appreciated for once, you know. It's um, super, um, yeah, I'm super grateful for where life is at the moment and um, I've got, you know, some, some TV show stuff happening in uh, Sky Sport New Zealand and um, the league show is actually um, being bought for by Fox Sports so it'll be aired on Australia in Australia now. Um, and, yeah, apart from Cheer Media, the, the league show, I've been... Um, um, opening a gym and hopefully early September which is um, pretty good so a lot of different things happening and still still a bit of gaming as well and my social media influencing stuff as well so I've got a, kind of got a finger in everything at the moment and it's been um, it's good because it keeps life interesting and super hard to juggle sometimes but it's just um, I think I'd get kind of bored if I was just doing one thing and you know um, sticking to that. So um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Jordan Kahu's work. It's actually, uh, CJ, you're a videographer, so you'd be able to rate it pretty highly. Uh, or you understand what's going on. Yep. You understand the effort that goes into it. But I watch your stuff and I'm like, that's fucking nuts. <laughs> like some of your edits are crazy. Like Thank all you, the bro. Call of Duty stuff that you do. So you've obviously done collaborations with the PlayStation, yep. uh, Call of Duty. Who else have you done work with? Um, I've been doing some work with Sony at the moment, which mm-hmm. is like super rewarding because I've just kind of, you know, like I said, I dove into it and um, Sony's been a company I've wanted to work with for ages and i kind of been working with PlayStation for a bit for the gaming stuff. But when they um, they reached out to me and asked me to send me some stuff and I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, maybe a TV or something, but mm. they, they were keen to send me some cameras and stuff and I was just like, 
it was like getting my first pair of boots when I first started playing footy. I was just like a little kid again and just like, is this really happening? You know, a company that I um, already enjoy using wants to work with me and, and send me gear that I'd probably buy anyway. Yeah. Well, well, hey, hang on a sec. Did, what do you mean just Sony reaches out? Like, how did you, how did you yeah, get onto on filming it. stuff for Call of Duty? It's not like you just picked up a camera <laughs> and you're like, hey, guys, if you need a hand, I'm here. Right, <laughs> how yeah, does this even happen? I don't know. I think I just, I've always valued, um, um, I've always, you know, kind of wanted to, I've done a lot of social influencing, like, stuff when I was playing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of collaboration work when I was playing, um, I was just always was keen to push that high quality stuff, you know. And a lot of the other players were weren't doing it, and I wanted to be that one that kind of changed the game and was creating content that was that was good and engaging for my following, but also rewarding for the companies that were booking me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to send them, you know, my my thumbs up and standing in front of their product or something like that. I wanted to be super creative with it, and I think brands started seeing that and. Um, you know, just started wanting to to hire me for that. So that's kind of where it happened. And I just kept doing it and doing it. And then, yeah, obviously, the more I done it, brands were starting to notice it. And then that's kind of how all the PlayStation and Sony and stuff all, all come about. Yes, yeah, CJ, let's hit up Xbox. Yeah. Oh, you know how you just said uh, uh, standing with their product with a thumbs up that's a classic footy one eh Bro, like, oh. <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, Puma for the shoes yeah, man. Fuck. Yeah. a little bit of effort hey, a bit know. of energy and then like those boys some of those footy players they get paid thousands just to do that Yeah. and I always I picture it like I want to shoot the content for them for not only my page but I want to I want to shoot it good enough for them to be like hey can you send us that video so we can post it to our know our um socials and and whatever as well so i've always had that kind of mindset when i'm creating something for a company that's um booked me so you're self-taught as well yeah all, all youtube hours and i'd hate to see how many hours I'd, i've watched of youtube but <laughs> all youtube yeah because i remember um i bought that camera <coughs> that gets you know i've probably clicked the button maybe 20 times yeah uh what what camera did i get uh, an M50. Yeah, I bought an M50. Yeah. Remember, I was I missed you. We we're gonna yeah. go shoot together. You're yeah, gonna yeah. show me the ropes, but I never fucking. <laughs> we never did it. But uh, I would have been wasting your time anyway. That's but so I, cool. Um, I I host another podcast, Peak Speak. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> I host another powerlifting podcast, and the guy that edits that for us, he just had the same experience. Um, Canon reached out to him, and they so. started sending him cameras to test and everything. So yeah. he was super giddy. So I can uh, I can imagine what it's like to re- receive the Sony stuff. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was so cool. What'd you get? Did you get like Sony Limit, Sony um, A7? I got a FX3 and a 50mm 1.2, which is like the nicest lens that's, yeah. Oh, that's like seven grand worth of gear. Yeah, yeah, great aperture that on camera, that one. That <laughs> I'll, I'll yes, show you you're not I'll show you my Sony camera before you leave. CJ's <laughs> seen it. It's sick. Yeah. What is it? No, <laughs> you don't. Do you have a Sony camera? Yeah, like the VX3000 thing. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was. It's from yeah. like 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, w- it was sick 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what's funny? Like, we always talk about it. Um, back in the day, Tom, I used to try film shit for Thomas. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, this is sweet. And Thomas was like, nah, that's not really good, bro. I'm like, fuck, what's wrong with it? And then like, I'd see CJ's work and be like, holy shit. <laughs> you can actually see his face. Like, what did I do so wrong? Like, it's such an art and I love it. Yeah, it mm. is. I, I, um, it's a super like growing industry and I feel like it's more accessible every day as, as phones get better and obviously, um, you know, companies are competing with, with each other and trying to release 
you know better cameras for cheaper and stuff like that so it's um it's good because everyone's like art obviously everyone sees stuff a lot different sees colors differently so that's that's why it's so cool and um and seeing people the way they create and and make a video or or edit a picture and stuff like that yeah it's just like art and you can kind of just appreciate you know if it is like what it is for what it is i love seeing um how content creators connect like when they're really into videography like cj i saw your comment on uh uh, on Donny Buziotis's thing, it's like yes. that depth of field. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all the same though. We do it in everything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you'd comment on a runner and be like, "Oh, bro, your strides looking real good." Yeah, <laughs> yeah bro, actual, actual. We get it. You're good with a camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you already? Have you always had that creative eye? Yeah, I I just kind of um, hid it away for so long. I started vlogging in 2017, and I was the first. Um, NRL player to do it. And you were the first, yeah. hands down. Yeah, and I I stopped doing it. Like I ha- I have so many other vlogs that I could have like edited and, and released, but I was so worried. Like a lot of the boys I was playing with at the time were a lot like real old mindset. You know, like what the fuck you got a camera here and sh- and shit like that. Um, and I was just <laughs> super worried about what they said. And then I, I don't know, something just switched over me. Where I was like, fuck them. And then um, I just started taking a camera everywhere and then started being like, bro, you got a camera again? And then I was like, you got a camera again? And then like a couple of years down the track, I was like, bro, um, can, can you film this thing for me? Like, can you do this for me? Changed. Oh, like started asking me more more questions about the camera. Um, but yeah, I've always like, I've always been into art. I've always been like super, like I've had a crazy imagination. I always think of stories to tell and, and stuff like that. So um yeah, once I got to that point where I just didn't give a fuck about what the boys said in the change rooms, I kind of just, yeah, just gave it a crack. Do you think there's any link between your creative mindset and your performance on the field? Because I see creativity as like problem solving, like seeing yeah. things from a different perspective, th- seeing things from angles that other people can't see or the average person can't see, and then being able to act quickly on that. Do you feel like that contributed to your game? Yeah, maybe. I think that's why I was maybe so versatile because – you know, I did see the game from a different perspective and I could play, you know, um, lots of different positions. Um, and, yeah, I guess it did have a, a little bit of effect on that. And I was never, that's pretty much how I am now, I was never keen to just be good at one position. I always wanted to be good at every position, you know, and if I was always chucked there, I was, you know, the best in it. If I was chucked a fullback, I was the best fullback, you know. Um, so I guess it did kind of rub off a little bit in my footy career. Yeah, sick. I was going to say, um, <clears throat> like we were talking about before when I said the positions I rattled off, um, I just wanted to say about how you're, you're a really tough competitor. You've always been a really good defender. Um, what was, what's, what's it like, uh, what's it like going onto the field and, you know, knowing that, cause if you're playing center, you know, someone like Greg Inglis is running your line. What's, yeah. what's that like hitting into a game? Do you have like, do you overthink situations like that? Like, uh, yeah. Lexi, when he was on the potty, he was telling us a story where fucking, uh, GI threw him into another realm like you know the <laughs> yeah. big fiend out in front of him and uh what's that like um yeah so you always like depending on what position you're playing you kind of always did your research on the opposing um, player and yeah depending on who it was if they're like going good you obviously wanted to um you know try and contain them as much as you could or if they're like you know they're not having know good couple of weeks you kind of never know how they're going to come out against you so it was always intimidating you know I think my second or third game I marked GI and 
he did the same thing to me. He like <laughs> he was just he just had that knack of like if he wanted to do something, he'd just do it. You know, mm. like depending on how fatigued he was or not. Um, and I, yeah, like I I just remember he ran at me and I was I was already like shitting myself. I was like, I'm gonna miss this tackle. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm missing this for sure. And then he just literally like grabbed me in the chest and like kind of grabbed my jersey and just like sat me down like just, <laughs> just like sat me down like that and I like literally sat on my bum I was like holy sh but then I think um yeah once stuff like that always happens in the game I always I think I, I was speaking to we had this life coach that used to come in all the time and I was there's different type of thinkers with footy players and I was always one that would if the high ball went up I was like always like I'm gonna drop it I'm gonna drop it I'm gonna drop it and I said to him like is that a bad mindset to have and he was like no because like those are little triggers for you to remember to do things properly so um, I started like thinking that and appreciating that way that I was thinking and you know if I was um, coming up against a good center I always in my head I'm like okay I'm missing this I'm missing this and missing this but that would trigger me thinking of like my research throughout that week of like he steps off his left foot he you know he's got a right arm fend and that was kind of like my trigger in my head like I'm gonna miss this tackle but I'd end up making it and I'd be like okay sweet I got this you know like and that was kind of everything like even with goal kicking I was gonna I was always thinking I'm gonna miss this I'm gonna miss this but then that led me back into you know my whole procedure and routine of like doing this doing this doing this and then I'd end up kicking it and then um yeah that was kind of always my mindset it was like kind of negative in a way but it always turned out positively which was which was pretty crazy i was just gonna say do you feel that way about your videography do you look at a video and be like this isn't good enough i can't put this out and then do you have to sort of overcome that and be like nah just do it yeah definitely all the time i think a lot of um people with you know creative mindsets think like that because they think their ideas are always um not going to be cool for other people and i think that's uh, like uh, there's a saying that if you want to tell if you want to crush a, an um, idea tell it to a small-minded person or something like that and I think um, yeah once you kind of jump over that barrier and you're passionate about something and you you know that you're sick and guessing it then I think that's probably a good thing to you know kind of just follow through with it because it's if you're sick and guessing it that means you want it to be better and you're only going to get better if you, you're guessing you're sick and guessing your own work you're only going to get better has it been difficult to find the balance? Because you're right, right? Like lots of people are driven by a negative mindset in terms of this isn't good enough. I can do better than this. And that drives them to be better. But some people that turns them off completely. They say I'm not good enough. And then they just fall off the face of the earth of that industry or that pursuit. Have you found it difficult to find the balance between telling yourself you can't do something or you're not good enough at this thing, but then just being like, no, nah, I just got to do it anyway, or realizing that you are good enough at it? Yeah, I think I don't think I've ever like realized I was good at something. I think I've like going back to that mindset I've had. I've always every time I post anything, I'm like I'm just like this isn't good enough and this isn't good enough. But um, yeah, I think I've just kind of gotten over the fact that I think I'm always going to be like partly like a little bit perfectionist on a lot of my stuff, and it's never going to be okay for me. And in a lot of the video work, obviously, because I watch it over and over and over and over, and by the I don't know, hundredth time I watch it, I'm like, this is so shit. But, you know, I've got to remember that um, people are watching it for the first time and um, mm. they're going to really appreciate it. So that's kind of, yeah, like every time, like editing weddings is probably 
the time I think about that the most, I'm mm. like, I get to the end of the wedding, I'm like, I just butchered someone's wedding, you know, it's so shit. Yeah. I'm not happy with this shot, not happy with this, not happy with the audio. And I send it to them, and they're like, oh my God, like, we're crying, you know, mm. this is the best, like, ever. We couldn't ask for anything more. And you're just like, oh, shit, it mustn't have been that bad then, you know? That's kind of, yeah, I've just kind of had to teach myself to kind of get over that. And um, I guess it's just a, a good th- good trait to have to um, keep getting better. It's um any form of art, you know, like videography, photography, anything, uh, anything that's like an an expression of uh your creativity. It's um <clears throat> it's very subjective. Yeah, so sure. you know, because it's being out, art's being put out there. People are judging it like right from the get go, yeah. and when it's good, off quite often people don't say anything at all because you know, yeah, it's good. It's Jordan Cahu. He always does good shit. Yeah. You know, we're all guilty of it. When I see your work, I never like. I should probably do it more. I should be like, fuck, that's mad. You know. Yeah give it a wee comment and uh you know help the algorithm out but to me i'm just like jordan's the man at like videography like oh, to me that. to me that's normal now um mm. but also just talking about you know where things are so sub- uh, subjective being a footy player being in the limelight how's that like what's that like dealing with the scrutiny um especially when you were at the broncos during the tough times and things like that uh being riddled by injury yeah. how do you how do you handle that because we all know that uh the media nrl media and the talk shows and there's certain people in the in the industry that aren't the f- that aren't the nicest people like how do you how do you deal with that um i think i was kind of lucky but um like unlucky at the same time I, w- I went through a period where you know like i played before social media and then i went to where like through the period of when social media first came out and then social media at its height like within you know, the game, like, these players now, they don't know any different to what trolls are like. There was no trolls back when I first started. Like, no one had that access. So I was kind of, um, yeah, kind of lucky that I got to transition through that period and learn over time what it was going to be like. But, um, yeah, yeah, like anything, if you're doing something, there's always going to be, you know, someone that disagrees with you or um, thinks that they're better than you and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, there has been times where I, I struggled with it and that kind of just came with the process of, you know, um, I don't know, just I guess like I was lucky I had Jess there with me. You know, me and Jess, I'd always show her a message someone would send me and she would get angrier, more angrier than I, I was. So got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm not showing you any more messages. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, yeah, I got to a point where I, I kind of wasn't bothered by what other people thought about me anymore. It was probably that moment where, I started vlogging. It was, it was just um, there's always going to be someone that disagrees with you, and there's always going to be fans that are upset. And um, the amount of times you know, like that, I got you know, you ruined my super coach or you ruined my multi, and I just like, I was like, <laughs> fuck, I do not care. Eh? <laughs> You're the one who put the bet on. Yeah, You're gambling. No, you fucking should have put it on someone else. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I just I think I yeah I've got to a point. I got to a point where I just yeah, I wasn't bothered by anything and, and just didn't let it phase me. And if I seen a bad message come through social media, I just blocked them straight away. And um, I'm super good with faces. I'd always suss their face out, like on their little profile pic on their private page. I'd always suss it out and study it. And then, so if I ever seen them in public, I'd know who they were. Because uh, a couple of times, you know, like I'd get sprayed and then, you know, couple of days later they come and ask for a photo or something like that oh. and then i'd always just, i would always get a photo but i'd always be cheeky about it and be like oh hey didn't you say this about me and then like 
they were like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 but, oh, and I was like, <laughs> but yeah, like, I That's never, the most satisfying thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I was, I've just always had that, like, memory of, with people's faces, so, um, yeah, I was just super nice to them, and they couldn't really do much else about it, to be honest. True, kill them with kindness. Yeah, definitely, this is, yeah, I think people are just wanting a reaction out of people, and, yeah, if you kill them with kindness, then it just hits the ego even more. What, with the again with the young kids coming up in this age um you know obviously social media can quickly give them an inflated self of self <laughs> inflated sense of self-importance and uh, you know you were more mature by the time that came in and you've obviously got a really mature attitude do you think um now again with all these young people coming through that social media is playing a net positive or a net negative yeah i guess i don't know it's hard because you can get a lot of good support and that sometimes can be bad for your performances and your you know, mental health because if you're getting too many pats on the back, then you think you're doing a good job when you actually aren't. And I feel like on both sides of the spectrum, you can get sprayed, but then you can, u- you can use that as motivation as well. Um, so it just depends how you use it. I think if a lot of players um, you know, probably are enjoying the amount of followers they're getting and um, I think if if they can turn those you know followers into opportunities, which I tried to do in back into my career, you know I I wasn't so much worried about um, how many followers I had, but I you know I wanted to grow an online community that really wanted to stick with me, and you know if I ever um, you know like I, I started selling merch and a lot of people bought it, and I think if um, players kind of had that mindset and more of a business mindset rather than, you know, a clout mindset, then um, they'd be in, in a good place. And, and just to keep keep their circles small, no one on social media is going to tell you the, the actual truth, I think. Um, if you had, you know, you had your, your good circle that were going to tell you how things are and um, you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't really be worried about what's happening on social media. You've um you've always been about that. Like I've seen, I've known you, I've only known you since 2019, <laughs> but you've always been really down to earth. You've had the same group of friends. You're just a you're just a really genuine guy. Um, and just speaking about the media, uh, the apparel stuff that you're doing, the true media stuff. It's cool to see NBA players rocking your gear as well yeah. down the walkway. That's cool. So CJ like Joe Ingles, mm-hmm. Utah Jazz. Well, he actually just signed a contract with who's he gone to? Bucks. He yeah, he's gone to the Bucks. Bucks yeah. Um, uh, but he had uh him rocking his gear in the tunnel. Oh, let's go. And who else? Mm. Patty Mills. Yeah, Patty. Ish. Patty mm. was the um. Paddy hit me up. He, because he's a big Bronx fan, so I've yeah. met him a few times. And every time he comes back to Oz, we we always catch up. Um, but when he seen that I was dropping merch, he's like, "Bro, send me some merch." Man. And then he just sent me like all these photos. Like they've obviously got dope photographers, but he just sent me like ran- one random day. I wasn't expecting anything of it. I never pissed him. I was just like, "Here, here's the stuff." I think he might have even paid for it as well. So I can't even remember. But I just didn't send him extra. And he sent me all these these photos um, of him in the tunnel and stuff, and he's like, and he's like, go check out the Spurs page, and it was like on the Spurs like homepage of Far like right. him wearing my gears awesome. and stuff like that. And bro, I was just super grateful. And then I think I reshared it to my story, and um, I done some work for um, like a, a movement Paddy was doing um, after all the Black Lives Matter kind of stuff happened. We're doing a, a movement here in Australia um, within sport, um, and Joey Ingles was a part of that. And he he messaged me after seeing Paddy's post, and we're like, 
bro, where's mine? And then so I sent him a bunch of stuff and the same thing. Like I didn't expect anything of it. And then same thing, he sent me back all these photos, like, you know, how they're walking into, into games of, of wearing my, my hoodie. And then I was, I was like, I was buzzing, eh? That's cool. That's like, um, <coughs> it's one of my favorite <laughs> pages to follow. I follow NBA Fits. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I get lots of like style inspo from that page. It's just, it's just dudes walking down the tunnel, like looking yeah. cool before games. Yeah. yeah. We'll send LeBron some zero gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really when I edited that photo of LeBron and I put it on the social media page ages ago, it might've been when I first started. No. And you were like, bro, what the fuck is this? What was it? <laughs> I found a photo of LeBron on the internet wearing just a white tee. And I put a zero logo <laughs> and I was like, new zero yeah, merge yeah, dropping yeah. now. It might've been like three years ago, but That's it was funny. Awesome. Yeah, so many people messaged me like, That's the shittest f- Photoshop I've ever seen. You could, this is when I didn't even know how to remove a background from an image. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it was like a white square with the logo. And um, yeah, no, it was really funny, but um, it's sick. where was I going with this? Oh yeah. So the photo, the tunnel photos, you started doing that at the Broncos. That was cool. You had like Jesse Arthur's, yeah. a few boys. Did you get in trouble for that? Yeah. So we got, oh, what happened? Um, so we called it the drip. Yeah, that's right. Drip season. Um, and then I was just, yeah, literally, and the boys are, because we were in the bubble. We're like, fuck, we'll start rocking up in like cool fits and stuff like that. And we had this long tunnel at the Bronx facility, which is hectic. Um, and the boys were just walking through that tunnel. And I was just, yeah, I had the camera. And then first day, I think it was just Alex. And then second day, there was like two or three. And then like one of the days, there was like five or six of them. And the club was like, you can't be doing that. And we're like, what's, what's the problem? Like then, because a lot of the IP problems is when there's a Broncos brand in the photos. Um, and they always say that there's like sponsors have complained and stuff like that. But we're like, there's literally nothing to complain about because if we're outside, like they couldn't say anything. Um, and then we ended up getting around it. They were all good with it. And then we just kept doing it. And then um, a, lot of the, a lot of the different clubs started doing it um, and started putting up their own ones of like their own fits walking into trainings and stuff because and then it kind of just went around the NRL food team's done it and then I think one of the AFL teams done it um and yeah it was just a cool thing to kind of like float around and and be a part of when you know we all were living in the same conditions it was just kind of cool to you know see another team like see their fit and like yeah. a lot of the boys dressing up in like full blonde suits and stuff like that which was which was oh. pretty sick it's cool because um, the NBA, you know, they, they allow the NBA players to really be themselves. Yeah, yeah. But they're also so cashed up that if they get a $50,000 fine for saying something on bad on the TV, they don't give a fuck. They're like, yeah, yeah. sweet, pay it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you know, Kobe Bryant used to pay all of Matt Barnes' fines. So when Matt Barnes would step in and arc up for Kobe, uh, Matt Barnes didn't care because he knew Kobe was going to pay his po- fines. Um, but the NRL, you know, they charge, they put pretty big, penalties up and yeah. the wage uh, comparison is quite a little bit different compared yeah. to NRL players yeah it'll be it'll be sick if they had one round a year and the boys it's good for the guys brands as well because you know like brands are gonna want to send players clothes if they know they're gonna get something out of it and I um I feel like if, if one round a year they just let the boys rock up to games like home games in their own kit where that could kind of happen that'd be that'd be sick I don't know if they can support some kind of charity, but it'd be cool. I know the fans would definitely love it. Mm. Um, sponsors obviously aren't too happy because they don't get their five seconds on, you know, on a walking into a into a game. But yeah, usually everyone's in the same kit, and yeah, it's just kind of you're, you're overseeing it. But if there's one round a year, you know, if they supported a charity and and the boys got to rock up, it's it's good for kind of everyone, I guess. Yeah, it's cool. I um, <coughs> with the it's a weird thing, you know, with sponsors aren't happy in that. It's like 
If the Broncos, if a player's not wearing the Essex polo or whoever they're sponsored by right now before a game, it's not like, to me, that doesn't do anything. I don't look at that polo and go, oh, Essex. Yeah. Or uh, what's that garage thing? Store. Uh, uh, yeah, national storage. National storage. I've never once been inspired by advertising on a jersey. Nah. Nah, nah. So, yeah. yeah it's, but it's, that's immeasurable. It's, it's brand awareness campaigns. Yeah. yeah. You you then recognize it when you're driving around, and then maybe one day you'll you'll need mm. it. Like they can't measure it. Yeah. Um, and the br- the brands get pissed off because they're like, we've paid for this space, yeah. and then yeah. they have a contract that dictates it. Do you ever get it the other way around? Like you know, you, your primary school mate from Lower Hut being, oh hey cousin, you've just started a uh, <laughs> a clothing brand. Can you wear it, please? Right. <laughs> yeah. So many. I think a lot of um, yeah, a lot of people are kind of now like super respectful about my space on social media especially because you know that is is one of my work incomes you know mm. a lot of you know brands pay pay me some money to promote their stuff so i think well a lot of my close friends are kind of respectful of that and um you don't really ask for kind of anything you know for free but i'm always keen to support um you know like uh, people i'm close to and, and i'm never shy to post someone else's business because i know how hard it is to start and um, yeah, I'm always I'm always keen to help the little man. Yeah, it's um you just reminded me. So me and my buddy back in the day, we used to run this. Uh, I'm not going to share it because it's still live. The website's still live. I don't want anyone to see it. We <laughs> ran this like men's lifestyle fashion blog kind of thing. Yeah. And I remember. So the first thing we got was like uh, we got hundred dollar vouchers from Cotton On. They gave us some vouchers. Yeah. And then we got some stuff from TK Maxx. Yeah. And then this brand with like playing up t-shirts. They were like real low scoop neck. And my bro was like, yeah, let's do this. I'm like, nah, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I am not wearing that. Like I don't I don't have the pics for that either. And yeah. uh, I was, but he was so keen. But I was like, I can't wear that, bro. We're not yeah. doing that. He's like, nah, man, they gave it to us for free. We have to. I'm like, nah, brother, I'm not wearing Just that. You. Yeah. Just you. I can't yeah. do that. Have you, ever, um, have you ever reluctantly done something like that? Um, a few times I'm always uh, quite selective with who I work with. Um, obviously, it yeah, being my job, and and I don't want to come across too salesy on my social media, um, which is kind of a hard thing when it is you know partly my income. Um, but I've all, I've just set my my base rate like to a place where like if you want to work with me, you want to work with me, and mm. and you kind of you value my content enough to pay that um and yeah some brands are just aren't keen and i'm just like yeah that's okay because i'm not i'm not you know keen to just i'm not a billboard you know i don't want to just chuck anything up there so um yeah it's 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 a bit hard at times because you know sometimes the money's good but the the brand's probably not someone that you align with and Mm. um you know i've turned down um fast food you know um places in the past is because that doesn't really align with me you know i try to you know share you know quite healthy lifestyle and family lifestyle and and my family and and i promoting you know some fast food outlets just just isn't the way even the money the money would be good it's just long term it's it's not probably best for my brand and i think that speaks volumes to who you are you know like james was saying before you're clearly a very uh, genuine guy um Let's come back to the gym. So what is the gym? What inspired you to sort of go down that path in terms of uh, a business? How's it looking? When does it open? Um, yeah, so we got the, uh, we are getting the keys this week. Um, we went through a walkthrough. The previous tenants had just moved out last week, so we went through there. Um, but yeah, one of my, my best mates in Perth started a franchise and it's just been um, going off over there. And 
when he said that he was coming across to Queensland, I was like, bro, i got to be involved. And, um, yeah, that was kind of pretty much how it all started. Um, and, yeah, I've just always kind of been into that space. I think, you know, the amount of time I spent in the gym um, rebuilding my body has, you know, kind of got me to a place where I'm keen to, you know, help people on the fitness journey. And um, that's just that's just from me, you know, just, just being in the gym and, and knowing how it makes me feel. Um, and... Yeah, it was just it's just a cool, super cool concept. It's um, completely different to you know a lot of the gyms, and it's just um, completely out there. And um, when you look at me as a creative, you look at that gym and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense that he's opening one of those. You know, it just it just makes sense. It's super creative um, and just super out of the normal, which I which I love. So it's gonna be interesting. It's obviously gonna be a battle. You know. Um, starting a you know a business a gym on the gold coast and um as you guys would know and um that's just all part of the journey and i'm just excited to you know to for launch and then excited to get on the tools and which i've got no clue about but um i'll give it a go nah, it's just confidence bro yeah I, I don't know how to use a drill but if i show up with confidence everyone's like oh this guy's handy <laughs> <laughs> just, don't, just don't look closely at the work yeah yeah <laughs> don't look at my hands because i've got the softest hands you can tell that i've done no hard labor in my life oh you're telling me brother <laughs> camera hands man camera hands we um we're lucky so here i'm not very handy with uh the tools and um I don't want to say Thomas isn't, but he's I'm not. He's not. <laughs> and then, uh, so his business partner who owns the other gym, Zero Southside, whenever we need anything manly done around here, he has to come down and do it. Oh, right. It's, it's just one of those things you're like, should I, should I do it? Like, I, I feel like I can do it, but then you never know because you don't want to have to do it twice. Yeah, no. If I'm, you need a letter written, I'm your guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Otherwise, no. Nah, I've done, same. I've, I've uh, tried my hand at a few things around here, but it's playing up. Like, I, I drilled that thing in the toilet. And it fucking came off, and you had to get it patched up. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> still right the first time, eh? You know how to use a grinder? Yeah, I guess so. Just start fucking taking chips out the wall and <laughs> YouTube video playing like on your phone while while you're doing Hard. it. Hard, well. and it's never the same. They make it look so easy all yeah. the time too. And I'm like, yeah, nah. So I, I want to ask a question back to rugby before we um before so we're kind of getting <laughs> towards the end now. Um, you know, you played for uh, over a decade. Um, it was a huge part of your life. Uh. You know, I can only relate to my personal experience in powerlifting. I've been powerlifting for 15 years. I'm still competing, but I can see the end of my competitive future. And um, I know for me that even once I stop competing, I'll still be in the gym and I'll still do powerlifting stuff. Is there any desire for you now that you're out of the game to play? Like, Do you, do you want to go play with mates on the weekend? Do you like kicking your ball around? Um, so I play, I play touch every Wednesdays and that's kind of my good little fix. Okay. Um, I, the only thing I I really miss, which I was saying before, was I miss I miss the big crowds and the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's nothing that beats, especially because we had, you know, we averaged thirty thousand people every week at Suncorp. So running out into that and the atmosphere at Suncorp is just crazy. So there's just nothing that kind of lives up to that. Mm -hmm. So I do I do miss that. I do miss like the big moments, the big games, um, the test matches. You know, I miss those really big big games. Um, definitely don't miss the pre-seasons. Um, but the only one thing I kind of want to really tick off my box is, is playing with my old man because he still plays locally, rugby union. Oh, awesome. Um, so I want I want to play with him and my older brother. So if my older brother can get over here and, and we can have a game all together, that'll just kind of be the, you know, the, the last tick of, you know, playing um, apart from, you know, my social uh, touch games every Wednesday. 
Do you have to turn it down? Like, are you like, oh, these plebs, I'll turn it down for them? Or are you just like, nah, I'm oh, the boss out here? It depends. It depends how much trash talk there is, I guess. Okay. I um, yes. I played in a League of Legends game not long ago, and I was the youngest by far, but um, there's like 56-year-olds on my team, you know, ex-NRL players, but from 20 years ago. Um, and we, we were getting pumped. We were getting pumped, and then, like, after one of the tries, they kind of just looked at me like, come on, Jordy, turn it on now. So uh, I, like, I went fullback, and I was like, all right, just give me the ball. And I think I ended up scoring, like, five tries, and we ended up getting in front. <laughs> it was funny because, like, those You're bully. <laughs> Smashing five. the old guys, the 50-year-old <laughs> no, The guys. other team was, like, quite young. Like, there wasn't, they weren't too old. Like, they weren't too old. Like, the other team was probably, like, I don't know. There was there was definitely thirty year old same age as me, but my team was was super old, and um yeah at the, at the beginning the first try they kind of acted like they didn't care, and just that old you know competitive mindset started kicking in and after every try and the boys were like, okay boys we gotta stop like the boys there was three of us that ran out before the game to warm up the rest stayed in the sheds drinking piss like <laughs> bro, that's that's how like crazy it was like john hopwadi played like um there was like some old ass boys kevin campion some real old school um footy players but yeah there was three of us that went out and and warmed up and the rest just just drunk piss in the shit so <laughs> that's funny kevin campion he's uh he's one bloke you'd never want to get into a scrap with eh? nah yeah he's so old school tough bro oh it's uh, it's funny that you mentioned you know that they have to tone it down a little bit um i've always found in my experience like when i was younger and we some someone was coming back from oh he was just playing in uh jersey flag at uh the raiders we'd be like yeah sweet he's got an x on his head yeah we're bro. trying to fucking take his head off we're like nah fuck he shouldn't be he shouldn't have been there we should have been there you know yeah. when we find out that oh, oh he made uh he made he was playing uh njc for you know the vulcans he was yeah. playing for auckland it's like nah sweet all right you know rush out the line at him they've always got an x on their head yeah so even like um when i was talking to pt and normie and that i'm like do you guys want to play locally and they're like no nah, not really because they fucking Bro, they get smoke. battered yeah yeah smoke. there's some <laughs> real good money going around in those local leagues now mm. um and and yeah but i've thought the same like i don't want to go back and just get my t- my head taken off yeah because for fun yeah they're like you've just got an x on your head like he's yeah. an nrl player i want to yeah. put a shot on an nrl player yeah like just they wear it like a badge of honor yeah i fucking hit jordan right, kahoot late actual <laughs> late yeah, yeah late. <laughs> late dog shot it off yeah <laughs> and he went off yeah definitely <laughs> <He> went off. <laughs> uh, i want to um yeah. we're wrapping up the podcast now we want to yeah any final because cj even had said much any questions on your end um you were saying how uh, after everything wrapped up with the Broncos, uh, he you kind of held some animosity there, and you said that if you'd held on to it um, for too long, you wouldn't be able to build what you have now. What did you mean by that? Did you mean in the media stuff or the gym that you're opening? Or I think it was just a mindset thing. You know, I think it kind of just weighed me down to a point where I was just like. Like why why be angry? You know, like what what's the point? Like they me being angry wasn't going to affect them. Like, it was like the people that made me angry in the first place, they didn't even know I'm angry, you know? So what's the point in holding on to that for me, you know? It's only going to affect my family and um, the way I work and the way I deal with, you know, clients, you know? I think it was, like, just trying to look out at the positives of it. Like, I never want to treat someone how I was treated. So all my clients, you know, like, I, I'll, you know, I'll never treat them that way. Um, if I if I got to a point where I needed to start hiring staff, you know, I'd never treat them that way. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I just, I needed to let it go. And I think time really helped, um, uh, as it does with a lot of things. And, 
yeah, I just yeah, I just couldn't let it weigh me down any longer because, you know, it was just there was no point really. There was yeah. no point at all. Unless I went into the Broncos and kicked the doors down and said, Yo, I want a sorry right now. Like yeah. I want someone to say sorry. Yeah. That was never gonna happen. So there was no point in holding on to it. And it was just yeah, a waste waste of time kind of holding myself back. Has a lot of your clientele when you started doing um videography come through, I guess like your contacts in the NRL? Um, a few a few contacts, um, like acquaintances I met through, you know, kind of, yeah, I guess through footy, like um, Style Media, they booked me a lot. They were, they actually hired Jess and I to, sh- to be on their front cover while I was playing and did a story about um, that. And then when they found out I was doing videography and they already enjoyed my, you know, the stuff I was sharing, they kind of, you know, continuously booked me after that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of it did come through um, me being who I was at the time, which was being good. And um, I've been lucky that you know I've, you know, put it out there on my social media channels, and that's where a lot of my work kind of comes is through social media when they find out that I'm doing it. I think a lot of you know a lot of fans have booked me for weddings, you know, footy fans, and yeah. um, I've got to the weddings and. You know, like taking photos of people, and I felt felt super uncomfortable. You know, like I'm just like I'm here to do the video, but <laughs> yeah. like people are asking for photos. But yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a weird feeling. But um, I'm just super grateful that people want to book me. You know, like I've built my brand, and um, you know, I've stayed true to myself my whole career. That I'm not at the end of my career. You know, clutching. You know, trying to grasp all these um, opportunities where people kind of just respected me as a person enough to kind of book me. Mm, awesome do you find um you know we're talking about uh when we're talking about being a creative and how uh you can really second guess your work and it's never good enough and i think i speak on behalf of all creatives that we all think the same yeah and i think what it comes down to is just getting over yourself yeah um and even that's a battle every day when you're posting something or creating something new yep. or doing a project for yourself or whatever. Have you found being a footy player first, uh, being sprayed by the media, by keyboard warriors and co- copying that and building a thick skin and building this kind of, no, I, I'll do what I want, I don't care. You know, you're talking about people getting mad that you ruin their multis and stuff. Yeah. Do you think that helped now as a creative when you create content and like not to help like not second guess yourself or think oh this isn't good enough like no stuff it like yeah i I know my talent i think yeah like like you said a lot of creatives kind of always second guess their work and um perfect example is i follow i don't know if you follow moon boy um productions they're like a gun team they did this super hectic music video and I was watching it and um, I was just like blown away. But then I watched a podcast of them talking about that um, video and they broke down so much things that they weren't happy with. Mm. And from outside looking and just like, like there's nothing wrong with that at all. So I think it was um, yeah, like a lot of, you know, that, that those experiences I had when I was playing footy taught me a lot and I, and I feel like that's where a lot of players struggle going into business after footy is because they think that they're so new to everything but they've just you know applied themselves to you know one of the hardest sports in the whole world you've got to be super professional you've got to be super punctual um 
you know you've got to be all these things you've got to do your research on on players and, and a lot of people a lot of people like players think they're done when they finish footy like they've got no experience at all but kind of it's just it's just a funny way of how to apply what you did for so long into different areas of your life um so i i guess a lot of yeah a lot of that tough skin kind of um did um translate into my 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 career now yeah it's cool if that answers your question yeah 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 i was just more curious in that sense like uh, i didn't play footy growing up i didn't well not at that level you know or anything like that so uh, and I know a lot of creatives that are the same. We're wired mm. that same way where we, we we think we're not good enough and we tell each other, like, you're good and we yeah. see each other's work and we're inspired by it. But us ourselves, we're like, oh, but I don't know. And, yeah. you know, even you're talking about weddings. Yeah. And I'm the same when I film weddings. It's exactly the same. Yeah. And But for them, like, we film a wedding and we're like, oh, we should have shot that I should have had this lens on when I did yeah. that shot. Should have shot at this frame rate or wish the lighting was better, wish I moved them. But the couple doesn't know that. No. And they're seeing a video of the happiest day of their life. Yeah. And yeah. so, of course, they're going to love it. Um, but, yeah, I just thought you, you, you've copped, like, little being at, at your level, you're, you're a target, mm. especially with social media. And I was just curious to see if that helps with just backing yourself yeah. as a creative because I think a lot more creatives are very – we're wired – to be more sensitive in a sense yeah uh, i found and so it's harder for us to back ourselves and mm. we're more of a you know the quiet type yeah if that makes sense so i was wondering yeah if that has helped with the transition yeah it definitely has definitely has i um yeah I'm, I'm so grateful i've been able to kind of you know push my skills into a whole different world and um yeah i don't think i'll ever be happy with any piece of work ever but it's yeah, it's kind of just just getting it out there and and sharing with the world, you know, your talents. Because there's no point keeping it on a hard drive at home. Mm. Like anything in life, you just you you got to get out there. If you inspire one person to be better or in anything, you know, if you inspire one person to start creating or if you inspire one person to go to gym, you never know how many people are going to be inspired by them. So the list is just endless. If you if you hold it in, then there's not really it's not really helping anyone, I guess. Yeah. All right, toughest player you've played with, toughest player you've played against? Um, against GI easy, easily um, in his prime, and the toughest player I've played with. Um, Just for context, Alex Glenn said Benny Hunt and Darren Lockyer. Did he? Yeah. What played? He hasn't played against. No, nah, they're the man. toughest he's played with. Oh, Tate played with. Yeah, played with. Oh, I played with some. My Bronx at the Bronx years. Um, uh, yeah, I'd probably say Benny Hunt too. Yeah, he bro just turns up. Yeah, he just turns up like no matter what he's going for. He, I remember this one time he scored a try and tore his hammy, but the bro like <laughs> off the bone, like gone off the bone. Bro, tr- try to keep playing. That's what Lexi said. Yeah. Lexi said the same story. <laughs> bro, like ridiculous. Like and he just you just know he's gonna be there for you. Mm. He, like he was the best halfback to defend outside because if you get done up by your center, if you get done up by your center, you kind of know he's there. Like he's he's the most trustworthy halfback defender I've ever seen. Easily, bro. He's king of hustle. We used to play these little micro ball games outside of our, um like changing rooms and the bro's just everywhere. Mm. Super busy, bro. Just everywhere. King it's, of hustle. It's weird because he's not that much bigger than me. He's probably, what, 5'8", five, 5'9"? Five, yeah. Yeah, and he's just fucking tough as nails, eh? Even yeah. in that last Origin game, he was he was like the guy that kind oh. of ch- swung the momentum. 
Yeah, bro. Yeah. Um, I just got a few more questions. All right. <clears throat> you have to punch one and start a fight with. All right. David Klimmer. <laughs> so you, you gotta you gotta either punch David Klimmer, Paul Gallen, or Tino Faasumalawi. I'm not starting <laughs> a fight with Gal, bro. There's no way. I'll So I'm meant to punch the other two? Yeah. Who are you yeah. punching? I'm punching the other two and Which one? Uh I'm fight I'm fighting Tino. Yeah. And I'm jabbing Gal. <laughs> Running away He's a wow, he's, he's scary eh Yeah bro. Was, was he scary to play against uh, Yeah oh, I didn't re- really have to come across him Because he was always in, in the, the middle. middle But he's just like an engine bro mm. Just like You've seen him when he fights Like he like You, you don't want to go in the ring with him He just will keep coming So he um Thomas you know Mark Hunt Yeah He beat Mark Hunt In a boxing match Yeah <laughs> Far out Yeah he's he's like fuck. Four, He played till he was like 40 or something bro He's ridiculous He's undefeated yeah. as well eh, In boxing Nah he lost to His last fight Hooney Did he, play, oh, did he fight Hooney That's right But fuck I can't believe he even went The distance with him yeah. Hooney's a Nah he got knocked out Didn't he Didn't nah. they stop it Nah nah He's oh, never been knocked out He's never been stopped Yeah bro He's He's, 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 sick, man. <laughs> he's got that steel jaw Yeah Bro actual That's why I wouldn't I wouldn't go in there with him Cause then you just You get bashed <laughs> You get bashed. I'd rather be, yeah, nah, yeah, definitely not fighting him. You're inviting three people to dinner. Who are they? Uh, MJ. I've always said that. MJ. Um, Michael Jackson. Nah, <laughs> I can't. He's gone. Dead or alive? Yeah, dead or alive. Okay. Well, Michael Jordan. Um, just yeah, that's who I was named after. Um, and I just love everything he's about. Michael Jordan. Um, maybe. Uh, Serena Williams and um, I don't know Elon Musk maybe yeah yeah just like two sports players and a businessman nice. just you know learn about you know MJ's done all the sports and the business side which would be co- super cool to kind of learn off Serena's just a beast um, and I'd love to hear her mindset and then Elon Musk I'd just love to hear no, he's just super alternative as well. He's just a tripper, right? Wacky, yeah. Very. So I'd love to, yeah, hear some of his thoughts. You're on a, you're on death row. What's your last meal? <sighs> oh, bro, I'm super plain, eh? I like real boring shit. Um, probably can it be like baking? Yeah. My mum's wheat bix slice. She makes a killer wheat bix slice. That's eh? a classic. Damn. Yeah, it's got to be a mum's meal. Yeah, Any, yeah, anything my mum makes, to be honest. That'd be definitely my my last meal. Nice. All right. I got one thing to finish off the podcast in. I want to hear about your first, like that first moment walking on, on onto the pitch in your professional game. Um, bro, like the 2015 grand final, it was kind of a bit of a blur because you're just adrenaline's just going through the roof. Um, but I remember I remember running out um, and I always, I always did the scream when I ran out. Like I always just, I don't know, it's weird. Do it now. Looking back now, <laughs> <laughs> like I always try to hide it too. So I'd always like have a quick look at the like big screen and see, make sure I'm not on the big <laughs> screen because I didn't want anyone to know about it. Sometimes I'd look at the ground and just do it. Um, so I, le- I remember letting that out, and then um, the next thing I remember is missing a tackle and they scored, and I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> like this is the best of the best right now. Like I can't, I can't be. I was kind of like just paddling, like I was kind of just, you know, like letting things happen and me just being there. Like it was like I was watching a movie, but I was out there, you know. 
I wasn't, and then like after I got scored on, I was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, like this is real life. I gotta fucking turn up, or I'm gonna never play ever again." So, I, I just remember that kind of moment, and um, it was probably more the lead up to the game, which was like something I remember the most was just like, like just being able to go out there and represent all the pain I'd gone through the first two years of doing my ACL, um, and also representing my family and my friends and. Um, my parents after you know after you know the years and years of um, taking me to trainings and you know um, taking me to train you know before school and just bringing balls back and chasing balls for hours for me and just you know repaying them and and knowing how they felt seeing me on that field that's definitely something I was thinking about before I ran out there awesome that's cool Mm. thank you so much for coming on the podcast brother we really appreciate it especially on such short notice uh my lapse and our miscommunication nah. <laughs> um good. but yeah nah we've uh we've really enjoyed our time uh getting to know you a little bit better and um yeah i'm sure our listeners are going to really enjoy this one awesome thanks for having me boys thanks brother Ciao. thank you so much for listening to the zero podcast if you want more information head to our instagram zero underscore weakness hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions thank you once more